Welcome to the Zeal Interestings podcast, where we discuss an interesting article or link from the week. I'm your host, Chris White. My co-host for this week is Kevin Crane. Welcome to the podcast again, Kevin. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about remote pairing tools. We're kind of talking about where we are, what news has come out that has caused us to reevaluate this, and then where we're going. We're hoping that this will be the first in a series of shows, since we're kind of evaluating new tools right now, and we haven't drawn any conclusions. So can you kind of give us a little bit of a background, Kevin, about what we're talking about when we say remote pairing and what tools have been available? Uh, yeah, so I've been pairing, remote pairing for a while now. Like when I first started, it was I was with a, a company and you know, we were doing product development. So it was very, we had a VPN and we would use like Mac's built-in screen sharing. And, you know, that, that was really good as long as you had that, you know, local area network that you could establish. But it was, you know, usually it was kind of a pain to get going. You, you know, you had to rely on the VPN. If that ever went down, it was, you know, nightmarish. I see. And then it doesn't work for like outside contractors or anything like that. And then from there, like um, working with con- outside consultants, we would use something like Join Me, right? And this is really before we had other options. And Join Me was okay. It wasn't, you know, smooth. It was fairly laggy. Mm-hmm. I think you, if I remember correctly, it's been it's been a long time. So I, I think you like there wasn't the two cursor idea. So you, you were like fighting over who was in control. I think you had to like uh, okay, like like switch out who was in control of it at the time. So that was a big shortcoming of that. Yeah, so you would uh, you would essentially hijack their cursor and you wouldn't be able to kind of simultaneously highlight things or control the machine. Right. And the screen sharing, the Mac screen sharing was the same way. But uh, I mean, for whatever reason, I remember even being more of a pain with Join Me because I, I think you actually had to request, okay, I, we're going to, I'm going to be controlling now. And, you know, I was a, I was a pretty heavy, I'm um, still a uh, Vim user. One of my friends, consultant friends, uh, introduced me to something called Ngrok and using Tmux to like share a terminal over an SSL tunnel. Okay. So essentially it's like SSL, except you're a kind of remote controlling someone's terminal instead of creating a new terminal session. Yeah, Tmux would allow you to basically attach to the same session. I see. So you you'd have two people looking at the same session uh, in your you know whatever terminal you were using. Yep. Um, and, and it was actually pretty good. It's you know it's definitely a little complicated to get set up and going, but at least you know if you were both. The other downfall is you both had to be kind of fairly savvy and fairly right. good terminal. You know, people in 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 the system uh, users. Not everyone is a strong terminal or Vim user. <laughs> yes. So, and the other downfall to that is like you didn't really know like oh I need to like I'm working on this web page and I'm going to like go check this web application out on the browser and you had to like tell everything you're doing right 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 so that context switching you just you have no idea what was going on so you have to really talk through everything it's helpful to be able to see the other person's browser so you might have to also use another screen sharing tool while you're using Tmux. Yeah, and we tried that. Like, we'd use like Google Hangouts and stuff like that. Um, but still, that was haphazard. So, gotcha. But yeah, so along came Screen Hero, right? Which, when it first came out, was it was pretty buggy. Mm-hmm. But when it worked, it was it, it showed so much promise as to answering some of these questions, right? How long have you been using Screen Hero? 
I, I'm afraid to say because I'm horrible with dates. I don't want to say that I've been using it for longer than it's been out. But I want to say I was fairly early on in the adoption process. Okay. So I, I want to say at least yes, three, four, five, five years maybe, something like that. Wow, I I wasn't aware that it had been a thing that long. Yeah, maybe four years. It's it's been a while. I've been using only for the past year, and it's been really really great. Yeah, so you you actually joined like after the fact that uh, it was taken over by Slack and had been sitting there sat stagnant, right? That's right. That's right. Kev, what about Screen Hero made it better than what existed in the past? Well, one, it was easy, right? You could just. I'm going to just send you an invite and then you download those pieces of software and everything just worked, right? You didn't have to like go through any real big setup. It was just plug and play for us, at least for on the Mac, which is what, you know, we, we developed on at the time. So, yeah, I've even had people, old coworkers install it on their Windows PCs. Like you always get that classic call a few months after you start a new job. That's like, uh, that thing that you built that we were supposed to find someone else to maintain. Can you come and fix something on it for us? So it was very helpful because of my old employer had like an internal network and stuff like that. And I didn't have access to any servers. Just be like, let me take over your computer install Screen Hero, and, you know, it even worked really well on a Windows machine. Yeah. I mean, I even did that with, like, family, right? Just yep. install Screen Hero so when you have a problem, I can fix it for you, right? Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, that was one really great thing. It was pretty smooth when it was working, and after, like, they got it stabilized, it was it was pretty consistently smooth. So there wasn't lag. You could scroll, like, on a web page to, like, find information or through, you know, a long document. And another thing, you could like flip back and forth very easily. So, okay, well, we're working on your system right now. Let's flip to my system because I have, you know, maybe I found some information out and I want to show you, or maybe I want to change drivers that way where we're flipping between systems and making commits between our code, checking in at at points and then flipping systems to change who the driver is. It was made that process very easy. Sounds like a great solution. Yeah, it was. Oh, and the two cursor thing was huge and being able to copy from one system and paste it into the other. All all very awesome things. To be able to just like, you know, hover your cursor and say, yeah, it's over here, this thing, without like hijacking someone's mouse and having that unpleasant, like, yeah, I lost control of my system kind of feeling. So that that was pretty clever solution. Yeah, it, it was super clever. And I would say, you know, there was definitely shortcomings. Like when we were using Ingrock with Tmux and like adding uh, Google Hangouts on top of that, the cool thing about that is you could, you know, switch to camera and you could have like, you could see the person that you're, you're working with and like read their body language and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Screen Hero didn't have that. In case you're working with the strong silent type. Yes, yes. Sometimes it just, it, it's, it helps to get a visual on the person you're working with, right? your part see those contextual frowns or troll smiles yeah Yeah. big gesturing hand motions that i'm as i'm waving that no one can see right now exactly exactly and the other downfall was you know after like like i just said earlier after slack came in and took them over it basically sat in mothballs for two over two years actually supposedly this was the period where they were introducing calling and video calling and screen sharing features to slack And uh, yeah, speaking of Slack, so they introduced, I think, the screen sharing like in May of this year. Right. And then just recently, they introduced the interactive piece, which is really where they had shared. The remote control. 
Yes, the remote control and two-pointer showing up and all that kind of good stuff. So Slack launched all the features of Screen Hero, and now uh, it's as perfect as Screen Hero, and we just use Slack. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. That would be great. That would be great if we could just end there. I'm sure that you know, there's a bunch of smart people there, and they worked really hard on it. There's just a couple of things that just... Are, for me at least, are big enough blockers that I, I it's hard for me to say that I want to move forward as it as a like a hundred percent pairing tool. Okay. Remote pairing tool. Let's talk about those. So there's no copy and paste between systems, which is a minor gripe, but it's something like if you if you've gotten used to working a certain way, it it's you know, it, it's bothersome, right? Right. If I'm on my laptop doing research, I can just copy in a solution mm-hmm. and paste it over. That's pretty helpful. It is. So that's not there. The They added the video, which is great. So you can actually see the other person, but it's awkward. It's like you lose um, where you can put it. It just doesn't feel feel right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's just, I think that's awkward. But I think the biggest drawback is screen hero is smooth. Yeah. And you could switch out whether you were pairing on your system or the other person's system very easily, which that still might be a thing, but you could switch out who was driving on the remote system, like if, if right. or local or remote. Like it, it wasn't a big deal for me to work on someone else's machine. Gotcha. So in Screen Hero, you were able to just, it didn't matter whose machine the code was running on because the the interface and the, the, the performance was so smooth and buttery and simple and and glitch free that you were able to just control their computer as if it was your own without any like drawbacks even though you're you know we're remote pair programmers so we're never in the same location as our our pair right and that that's like that's an immediate deal breaker for for me it's i just and and i actually have pretty good faith that they're going to resolve some of these things but only if they've determined that this pair programming part of the industry is going to be worthwhile for them to fix, right? Right. It seems like Screen Hero was aimed at this specific role and and kind of Screen Hero wanted to be, to be the tool for remote software developers like us. It, it at least became that, right? Um, I don't know if that was their initial aim, but if I like go back and look at the old software, like Join Me, right? Join Me is not that, right? They are a meeting platform. So I want to present something and maybe they still have some of that old features in there, but it's it's really that how they're marketing is all about meetings, right? And it's very easy to do that because that hits a much larger target market. Right. So if if Slack doesn't make that a priority, then maybe they won't fix it. And that's a bit of a worry. Either way, whether they 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 expect to fix it or not, I think it's still worth venturing out and seeing what else is out there. Yeah. So it's been many years since you've even worried about what other solutions exist out there. And you've done some research this week. Can you share with us your learnings? Yeah, so I went back. I found an article that said something about, oh yeah, just use Mac share, screen share and you'll be right as rain. And so we we tried working on that and the article mentioned nothing about VPN or being on the local network. They actually said they were in two disparate, you know, opposite ends of town mm-hmm. and i can only imagine that they had to have a vpn um if someone else out there is smarter than me uh that would be great if you could tell me how to do it using max screen share not with a vpn that'd be cool but i could not figure it out gotcha um so that was one thing we tried um and like i said join me is really focused on meetings and presentation and mm-hmm. there again there but there might be more so, out there, like other types of screen sharing solutions, but I really didn't find a good 
screen sharing, being able to like look at someone else's machine and have a con- you know contextual awareness of what they are doing, and giving them feedback and being able to work on the same platform like Screen Hero allows. Yeah, we've used uh, Screen Hero for our internal meetings. Uh, it, we've we like it because the video conferencing ability is like really smooth and high performance. And it has screen sharing and remote control, but you have to kind of like, what, what have we found with, with the screen sharing and remote control of Zoom? Uh, oh, and Zoom. Uh, so Zoom, I don't know. It's just... I feel like it work in all aspects that we wanted it to compared to Screen Arrow. It falls short. It's just much more of a, I'm going to, sh- like Google Hangouts, right? It's much more, I'm going to share my screen and show you something. It's not an interactive session. Right. That interactive piece is, is where a lot of these just fall short for the pair programming market, right? Are the, kind of what we're doing here every day. What other discoveries have you made? Uh, what I ended up doing is like going back, I, I checked out Ngrok again, but I really didn't want to go down that road. I'm, I'm just saying, I was thinking there has to be something like a simpler idea. It seems like we use visual editors a lot. Even if, we, even if you yes. continue to use Vim and I continue to use Vim mode. Uh, visual editors are are kind of where we are throughout most of our our team members. We've pretty much established that we're we use Atom for most everything at this point, and then just people have it set up slightly differently, right? Right. Uh, so, so in other words, a terminal only solution may not have covered our use case. Correct, and it, it really doesn't cover use case, especially. In, as a consultancy, when you're pairing with client de- developers, uh, they might have something completely different. Taking that into account, we I kind of like opened up the search a little bit. I found uh, Flowbits, which actually is like the idea of Ngrok in that instead of having the whole you know screen awareness, you're just allowing a certain application to share its data between you know, however many point people join in. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's Flowbits. Uh, I can't remember all the platforms that it, it handles, but it has Atom for sure, IntelliJ, which is like RubyMine and all those kind of things. Looks like it supports Sublime, Emacs, and NeoVim. Yes, all, all that stuff. So it would be cross-compatible with all these editors? Yes. So, And actually, you can, once you set up a, a session, you can even just join it straight from a web browser as well. So these sessions, they're, they're like interactive documents that your editor can control remotely. Is that, is that kind of how it's working? So what it seems like it's doing is it actually uploads all of the files in the current document tree, wherever you have launched your application from. That's, that's a bit of a, a, actually a, a gotcha. Not everyone is comfortable saying all of their source code to one company? Yes. Other than GitHub, right? <laughs> I mean, that, and that's the thing, right? We live in the, the age of the cloud now at this point, and they have a really good section on their site about the security and, and kind of what they're doing to, to maintain it. But that could be a break point for, for some people, and it might be for, for some of our clients. So it might not be even available to us for all of our clients. Right. Some of our clients have more restrictive security requirements around their whole process, right? Right. Uh, and actually, to answer that, they, I mean, Flowbits has like different tiers. You can get a personal account. You can get a organization account, which, you know, have multiple people. And then you can also have an enterprise level, which is actually something that gets installed behind a firewall if, if you want to. 
Gotcha. You can get your own Flowbits appliance. If you want, yes. Uh, I feel like a, I'm a sales guy for these guys. Maybe we should ask for some, <laughs> some revenue from advertising dollars. So. Well, while you're buttering me up, tell me about what you like about Flowbits. What I like about it is, so it's all, like I've only used an atom because that's what we're using. They So you open up a new session, it, it uploads all of your files to their server, and then you, you know, give out an address for someone to join. And then you're collaboratively editing all the files of that project. Correct. And they have two different modes. They have a follow mode, which is basically wherever the person that's driving is, wherever they go to, the other person follows to. And I think you actually mark both of you as followers. So like if one person like switches to driving, then it'll just immediately start following. Oh, cool. So you can, you know, you get that context switching within like... So you can see which document I am in and where I'm, I'm at in the document. It like jumps you to the right place and all that kind of good stuff. That's cool. So I think there's another mode, but I, I, I think it's just the opposite of that, which that actually opened up a, a different idea for me, which, which, I, which is great. Why, even though Flowbits might not be the answer for us, it made me think of something new. So sometimes I like to, instead of pair, I like to parallel with people, right? Where we're both working on the same project, but we're doing it you know, asynchronously, the one person working on one thing, another person's working on another. You could actually do this. You're with, simulating working independently in the same office, right? But not in the same office, right? Except for the person's now in your ears instead of sitting next to you, right? <laughs> right. And I really like that idea that, like, in the changes that they're making are going to happen real time on your system. You just don't have to be looking at them. So it's it's very interesting, like new idea for how, how to kind of pair and parallel at the same time. It's making you think in a new way about how this how this whole crazy remote pairing thing can work. Exactly. So that part is like, you know, you can find a kind of track that context switching. It also has, oh, the other big feature is it has audio video <clears throat> in your whatever app you are oh, interesting. using. So you actually get that real feedback and can look at someone. You can turn off the video if you don't like it. One of the shortcomings right now is you're supposed to be able to change your AV sources, but that feature is currently broken and they have open issues for that. So, but it's, it's, it's really nice that you can, you can get that feedback. So now instead of sharing your whole screen, you're sharing your editor essentially with built in video conferencing in your editor. How could you see someone like, you know, in the classic sense, you would, you know, change something in your editor and then switch to a browser or switch to a terminal and run your tests or, or run, you know, refresh the page and see the see the changes. Would you just at the same time use a screen sharing software for that problem? So with the terminal, they they have as with a lot of the editors now, um, they have a terminal that can be run inside of Atom, right? Oh, cool. Um, so because of that, you can actually share that as well. Um, and they have some interesting things wrapped around that, like they don't allow the remote user to press enter. <laughs> Interesting. So like they could type out a command, like they could type out rm minus rf slash, right? To destroy your whole system, but they can't press the enter key to actually execute the command, which I found an interesting thing. That is interesting. I guess that's a security constraint. It is a, a security constraint. And I, and I actually kind of didn't realize this at first, but you can use this for free right now. You can get a trial, which gives you one private, like basically repo, but everything else is public. So if you just start up a thing and say, I want to create a new session, it's going to create a public session. Oh, okay. And that means the code goes out there and actually they have what they, ha- they call code roulette and anybody can join you 
just that says, oh, look, someone's doing something with this thing that looks interesting. So I'm going to join them. And all of a sudden you will pop into their little coding session. So they're trying to create like an open source friendly platform, like kind of like the GitHub billing model, where if you do all of your work in the open, it's free. Yeah, but it's 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 partly that, but it's also it's like I can go and help somebody that may need help. Maybe there's a, you know someone that's just starting out and they're like, oh, I need help with X, Y, and Z, trying to figure this out. So it's a good mentoring platform. It is a good mentoring platform. I found that very interesting. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Have you drawn any conclusions yet now that you've played around with Flubits or, or is it just kind of still another menu option that you're looking at? At this point, I think Flubits is the best possibility going forward. Like some, like I said, some of the shortcomings, you can't like change your AV source right now. You're uploading your code base to their servers. You're locked into what tools you can use because you can really only use the editors, editors they support and the plugins they support within those editors, really just being a terminal. Um, you lose your context switching. So if I like go and then want to jump to a browser to check things out there, you lose that ability because you, you have to basically talk through it. But the code is shared on both systems. So you could both have your browsers up and running and hitting, hitting the same bit of code, right? I think it's worth trying, at least at this point. Um, so I think we're going to trial it for a little bit here and see what we think. And then if it's not, if it's still coming up short, I guess we're moving back. We're going to stay in Slack. I'm not, I'm not sure what we're going to do. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're kind of in chapter one of the post-Screen Hero era, right? Yeah. It feels like, I, I don't get the impression that Slack wants to provide poor remote pairing functionality, but maybe they don't have the resources to provide it on the same level as Screen Hero was, or at least not yet. Right. So maybe, maybe that will get better and we'll just, you know, we'll look back on the days when they were trying to launch remote pairing in Slack and and enjoy it. And it could it could completely be like that, right? When like I said, when Screen Hero first came out, it was it was definitely buggy. And it might just be the same thing with what what is happening with Slack right now. Yeah. The only thing that I find interesting is that they're they're, the turnaround between when they're launching the interactive Slack screen sharing stuff and when they're closing down Screen Hero is very tight. That I mean, it was like two months, two and a half months, maybe. Like a two-month gap there where they were like, hey, this is one, at least, you know, there's warning, right? There's a date they're going to stop supporting Screen Hero. <laughs> yeah, it's December 1st. Actually, it was le- because I think they announced sometime late October. I see. So like a month and a bit. There you go. There you go. So a few short months to transition our whole workflow. At, le- at the very least, it seems like it's kind of inspired some creativity around how we could do this. Like, I feel like as, as remote developers, we choose and curate our own tools. And so it's kind of inspired a lot of creativity and discussion around how we actually do this when the commonly accepted solution is going away. Yeah, I agree. I think it it's going to create good things. I think it's just... Right, right now there's definitely a little bit of pain to get there. So and, yeah, and actually, and, and I'm okay with that. It's it'll it'll be making fun, right? Good, good, good. Well, let's wrap up. Uh, one thing that we definitely wanted to do is invite anyone listening. If you know any great alternatives that you use for your pair programming, or have any ideas or feedback, certainly let us know uh, on Twitter at Coding Zeal. We're definitely still exploring, so we want to hear about those things. Definitely, that'd be awesome. So thanks everyone for listening. If you want even more interestings, please sign up for our newsletter at codingzeal.com slash interestings or follow us on Twitter at CodingZeal. Thanks everyone.